This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. Um, so today we're going to talk about a very tough subject. You know, a lot of people don't think it's a fit. Well, yeah, we all do. Um, we're going to talk a little bit about Kibbutz of Aim. Most people don't know the halachas of Kibbutz of Aim because for some reason, no yeshivas teach Shokas Kibbutz of Aim. I went to school, my kids go to school. Who went to Yeshiva and your Rebbe taught you Hilkus Kibbutz Aveim? So most of us don't really know the halachas of Kibbutz Aveim, even though we find that Hilkus Kibbutz Aveim is in the first five of the Seras Adibros. The first five of the Seras Adibros is Ben Adam Lamakayim. The second five is Ben Adam Lechaveiroi, but for some reason, Kibbutz Aveim, which is Ben Adam Lechaveiroi, between human beings, we find in Ben Adam Lamakayim. And one of the reasons, it, one of the reasons is, and we're going to talk about this. My Rebbe Rabbi Gamliel just wrote, wrote a new sefer on um, on the mitzvah of Kibbutz Aveim. And one of the reasons we're going to see is because surely, if you can't have gratitude for Hakrasato for your parents who brought you up, who fed you, who diapered you, who dressed you, who stayed up nights and nights and nights, walking around, burping you, taking you to the doctor, giving you medicine. So surely if a person can't have korsatov for a human being, for parents, who you don't really see, you don't really hear, Right, it's more of a muna, but appearance much more than that. So Kosh Baruch Hu said that the halacha of Kivit of Aim has to be together with the halachas of me because the original relationship, the first relationship that a human being has in his life, right? Your baby, you're born as an infant. The first relationship you have is with your parents. That's the first relationship. That's before your friends, before your wife, before HaKadosh Baruch Hu's in your life, you're a little teeny baby. So the, the first relationship that a human being has is with his parents. If he fails in that relationship, then he'll probably fail in all his relationships. And we see very, very much that it's an interesting thing that when uh, my daughters were going out for Shiduchim, the question that my wife asked more than anything else was, does the boy get along with his parents? And the answer is, he's the top, top boy. He's a mashmi gadol. But he has no relationship with his mother and father. Not a bad relationship. No relationship. We said no. Because he's going to start his first relationship with, with my daughter. He didn't have a healthy relationship with the people who took care of him his whole life. Good, he's learning. And he's a tzaddik, for sure. But he doesn't have to give it up to aim. So it just happens to be. Stop happens. When I asked about the first boy that my oldest daughter went out with, so of course they give you the rub on the resume. In those days there weren't any resumes, but they give you the name of the rub of the shul. You're looking at, you want to check out a boy in the family, who do you call? You call the rub of the shul. Find out what kind of family this is. So I remember I called the rub of the shul, and he said, you ask me the questions. I'm not going to give you information. You ask me the questions, and I'll answer your questions. I said, Rabbi, I have two questions. He said, you want to know if he's a masmid? He said, no, I wouldn't ask you that. I'll, I'll call you Shiva to find that out. I said, I want to know two questions. Number one, does he talk by davening? 
Because if he talks by davening, I don't want any part of him. Because if he doesn't have enough respect to come to shul and have respect for Hakadosh Baruch Hu, the Creator of the world, and I'll tell you a story that I have with my father, Lulu Shalom. If he can't have respect for Hakadosh Baruch Hu, I think he have respect for my daughter or respect for anybody. You don't have respect for Hakadosh Baruch Hu. You're talking in the middle of davening. You're coming to the to the head of the world and you're talking like he doesn't exist. You're busy with your friend. When, when, when you were in front of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, in his palace, in his place, in his base of Migdash, which is base of Medjush, and you're talking? That kid doesn't have respect for the creator of the world? He's going to have respect for my daughter? No way. He said, first thing, does he talk by davening? Rob says, it's the first time ever that a father ever asked me this question. Nobody ever asked me this question. Does he come to Minion? Other questions. And he said, what's your second question? It's probably going to be just as interesting. I said, it's going to be more interesting. I said, I know that his grandfather, who's not well, davens in that shul. Does this boy walk him, his grandfather home? Or does he let his father walk his grandfather home? He said, it happens to be, his name is Dubi. He said, it happens to be that Dubi takes care of his grandfather all the time. He brings him to shul. He takes him from shul. I'm like, no more questions. No more questions, because what, what can a grandfather give you already? He's already an old man. He's not giving you money. He's not giving you rides to school. He's not, what is he doing for you? He said, the boy, he doesn't, he's not getting anything really from his grandfather. But he took on himself to take care of his grandfather. He surely will take care of my daughter. It's all based on relationships. And he said, you have no more questions? I'm like, no, I hung up. I said, let's let her go out. Let's, make, let's try to make this shit up. We'll see if they like each other, but let, let them go out. You don't have cubit of aim. I'm definitely 90% in your family. That I can tell you right now. If you can't have a relationship with your own parents, how are you going to have a relationship with my daughter? How are you have a relationship with anybody? Now, I'm talking about regular parents. We're not talking about abusive parents. And it's very, very important because I think that people don't know the halachos, right? You don't have to stand there and get abused. Some parents are very, they're mentally, emotionally abusive. And you have to call, do you have to call your parents Arab Shabbos if you pick up the phone and you call your parents and all your father does is yell at you, what did you do a whole weekend? You have a miserable Shabbos and it calls the Machlekes. You have a chiv to call? Is there a chiv in Kivan of Ain? Does it say anywhere that you have to call your parents? Is there abusive? And these are all these are different halachas and nobody knows. Nobody knows. Nobody learned them. Nobody has any idea. So I think it's very important that we learn those halachas. And today, on my way down from the mountains, I went to Hashem to, um, to get, try to get a mortgage on the first rehab for girls that's going to be a Jewish rehab with kosher food and horses and all kinds of mice. Because Boku sent me something that's mamish unbelievable. And on my way down, I said, you know what? I wrote a safer. I wrote a safer, right? Called Let There Be Rain on Hakar Satayv. And I realized after I spoke in Eretz Yisrael in the yeshiva that a lesson a day in Hakar Satayv is important. But a lesson a day in Kibbutz of the Aim to learn the halakhas of Kibbutz of the Aim, especially today, you know, to understand in today's day and age, what do you have to take? What don't you have to take? What do you owe your parents? What don't you owe your parents? What is Kibbutz? What is Yira? What's the difference? Right? If your father, Chasham, is not left, is not in the world anymore, can you sit in his place? No, but can you take the chair of his place to cheer, to cheer, and mix it up with all the other chairs? So now nobody knows what chair was his, because it's not an armchair. Let's see, all the chairs at the dining room table are alike. So it's his chair. The problem, or is the place where he sits the problem? Can your son-in-law sit in your father's place? And I'm asking this in the yeshiva, I'm like, uh, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know, what's the halacha? I'm like, that's, that's pretty sad. 
that we're 40 years old or 30 years old, that we, we know all non-successful office and their abanam and their rices, and we don't know the fifth commandment of the, of, 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 of the Ten Commandments. We don't know the fifth commandment. We have no idea what we owe what we don't owe. So I spoke about this a lot in Eretz show, and I hope that I think Lumen agrees with me. We're going to put out a book, a lesson a day, and give it a aim. One side halacha, one side stories. There's crazy stories in the Gemara. Hands underneath his mother's feet, bent down, a tana, bent down, his mother stepped on his back to get onto her bed. It's crazy stuff. Whoever did that in this room? Whoever bent down so his mother could get on her bed? Today's generation, they tell their mother to bend down so they can get onto the bed. It's a whole different world. So we don't, we have no idea. And it's such an important, it's so, so important. I'm going to tell you two crazy stories tonight. Stories that I was involved in. I'm saying, Adis, you have no idea the power of Kibbutz of Aim and Chastasham, the spiritual DNA of someone who hurts their parents' feelings. So, before I get to that, there's something that I want to discuss, um, which I just came back from Eretz Yisrael, and I came back because my father's buried in Eretz Yisrael, and it was his yard site, Yud Zayin Shvat, so I went to Eretz Yisrael, and my Rebbe is Rabbi Gamliel Rabinovich, and I don't usually sit with him for very long. And I told him, I need him, I need this trip. I need a lot of time from him because there's something bothering me. And it's something that I want to discuss with everyone in this room. So I sat down with my Rebbe and, and another Gadol Hadar. Two people. But I first went to my Rebbe. And I said, I have, a pro- I have a problem. My problem is there are a lot of kids coming to me today. From kids, not from kids. Kids off the derech, on the derech. Girls, boys, doesn't make a difference. And there's something that bothers them very much, and it bothers me very much. And they say, Rabbi Wallerstein, I don't want to believe in a God that burns people in Gehenna, gives people Yisurim in this world, and all he's busy doing is every time you mess up, he punishes you. What, what, what kind of God is that? And the kids are like, if there's a God, what kind of God is that? Like, right, well, see, this is what, this is what Hashem is? Like, what do you mean? And like, all our teachers tell us, if you do this, it's kares. You know what kares means? You're cut off from Klai Yisrael. Your children are going to die while you're alive. You're not going to make it till 60. A girl told me that her teacher told her, because her hair is a little bit too long, when you die... Hashem's going to punish you that worms are going to crawl through your head and through your hair because when you were alive, your hair was too long. What? Wow, this is like, this is crazy. This, this is our Hashem? I said, Rabbi Gamliel, how do I teach, I'm a mechanic. How do I teach this generation? I mean, like, this is it, this is it. You messed up. That's it. 11 months in Gehenna, sometimes more. Right? A different kind of Gehenna. It's not one kind of Gehenna. Fire Gehenna is not enough. There's a Gehenna Shesheleg, which is snow, which is worse than Gehenna Shalej, because the Gehenna Shesheleg is ice. If you ever get burnt by ice, ice can burn you. If it's very cold, it can burn you. So in the, in Gehenna Shesheleg, it's worse than the Gehenna Shesheleg, just burns you. Gehenna Shesheleg burns you and freezes you. Why? It's fantastic. Hashem sitting there is like, no, it's not good enough. Freeze him and burn him. Uh, is that one ready yet? Turn it over. It's a barbecue. What? what? I said to my rabbi, what? How do I sell this? Like, like, like how do you, how, to our generation, to any generation, this, this is Hashem? 
This is the creator of the world. We are chavivim, says the Mishnah. We're special because we're children. We're even more special because he gave us a Torah. And if we mess up, Skilo, Shrefa, Herek, Chenek, Malchus, Malchus Mardus. I mean, you're going to get really beat up in every which way that you can. On the other side, I can't lie. Terry says, Michal Shabbos, you're going to get Skila. They're going to push you off a, a, a large rock, and the people are going to throw stones at you until you're dead. So the Terry says, I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to get up and say, you know, again, I'm, I'm not complaining about any Hasidus in the world, but some people have gone a little bit overboard. And it's like, no matter what I vary you do, as long as you dance and fast in the moonlight, and you drink up enough, and, and, and you sing Zmiris, everything's going to be good. There's no Gehenim. Just, you know, as long as you're happy, you can do every Avera, and don't worry about it. It's like, just dance and drink, and eat Kogel and Kishka, and everything's going to be Michael. That's also going a little bit overboard. Because that's not what the terrorist says. The terrorist says dancing in Tzvass on a roof of a car is not going to make it happen. If you're doing something, you're going to pay the price. And that's not what the Rebbe said, and it was just taken totally, totally out of context. A lot of people in, the, in that world said to me, well, see, come on, you, 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 you're too strict. You've got to be chassidish. Machtal chayim, everything's going to be good. I'm like, yeah, but the Torah doesn't say that. The Torah says you have to do tshuva, not make a chayim. And singing Zemiris is very beautiful, and it's very good. But it's not likely if, you're, if, you, if you finish Zemiris and you leave, and then you pick up your phone. It, it doesn't work. So I asked my Rebbe, I said, Rebbe, what do I do here? The truth is that there is a Gehenim. And the truth is that there are Yisurim, and terrible Yisurim Klai Yisrael is going through. And the, this is the truth, and I don't want to be a liar. I don't want to get up and preach, don't worry about it. God understands, because then Hashem's going to say, what are you talking about? I, I, the Torah says, Shabbos, this is the deal. So he looked at me, and I have a big responsibility, and there's a lot of kids coming to me like, if that's God, I don't want any part of him, because that's not a nice, happy, loving, smiley Hashem. He's just sitting there looking to whack you. The minute you step out of line, and sometimes he doesn't whack you right away. He lets you build up, then he whacks you big, because that's what the Swarm say. He doesn't hit you right away. Wait till you got mama shat, and then boomba. I learned Kavayosha. I teach Kavayosha. I don't lie. I, I say what the Kavayosha says. If you don't have Shemir Sinaya when they bury you, Amala comes and he busts your eyeballs. So Kavayosha, straight up. You don't have Shemir Sinaya, he comes and in your kever, he rips your eyes out of your, out of your skull. That's what it says. Hello? That's not a pretty sight. So, like, how can you learn Kavayosha on one side, which tells you, well, you're going to come back as a bird? That could see far, that you're gonna, or you're gonna come back as a rock, or you're gonna come back in the worst Gilgul, it says, you're gonna be in the stinger of a bee, in that little piece of the bee. So, like, if you learn Kavayosha, how do you balance? I said, Rebbe, what's the balance? I'm not gonna lie to them, but on the other hand, what's going on over here? So, he thought for two minutes, and he said the following, which is very, very important what I'm saying, because even though some of you have had this question in your head, but you won't show it, a lot of our kids have this question. They hear this in class, and you're going to burn, and you're going to be this. Right? And, and, and kids go off to Derek, they hear this, and they're like, if that's who he is, I don't want any part of him. That, that's it? Where's the love? Like, where's the hug? Right? Everything you do wrong, right? <coughs> so this is what my Rebbe said, and I think this is very important. It's a game changer, and Kalei has to understand this. He said, 
You're 100% right. If it's a punishment, then God is evil and he's angry and he's, and he's vengeful. If that's what it is, you're 100% right. He said, but Christ is not a punishment. And Gehenna is not a punishment. He said, it's a consequence. What's made us? Oh, so now I'm happy. Chorus is a consequence, right? What does that mean? So he said the following muscle. He said, a guy is on his way to, to a beautiful wedding. Big, fancy, fancy, fancy. One of those big, fancy weddings in Manhattan, right? And he has a very bad stomach ache, and he can't control himself, and he defecates all over himself. Mama's out of control. And he's filthy, and he's smelly, and he's full of, right, of this defecation. And he can't walk in like that. No one's, first of all, no one's going to go near him. He stinks. He smells. He looks, it's disgusting. It's like a walking sewer. Like, like, right? So, Rabbi Gamaliel said, so, he can't come into the wedding. They're not going to let him. The two guys in the walled off that are standing there, they're going to take one look. You can't come into this ballroom. Because the guy who's running the wedding, he's not going to have a guy like that in the ballroom. Like, really sorry, sir, but no, not like that. Right? So, so you go out. And you take them to one of the rooms in the Waldorf and you scrub them down and you put a hot shower and you wash them down and you go buy them a new suit and you buy them a new tie and you give them the ability to come into the wedding. Would you say that the person who did that is mean and vengeful and angry? No, you'd say he's a big tzaddik. So he says, you don't understand. HaKadosh Baruch Hu is the Shekhinah, we are all part of him. Our soul comes from God. And because Baruch Hu wants that soul to come back to him, to be in the R of God himself, in Ghanaian, to be in his R. But the Malachim are standing in the Waldorf, and you walk up there, and you're full of, not physical schmutz, but you're, physical, you're, you're full of spiritual schmutz. You can't, Walk in to where the Shekhinah is with spiritual schmutz. So Hashem says, take him to Gehenna for 11 months. Let's clean him up. Let's get rid of that schmutz so that he can come into the wedding It's not coming from anger and it's not coming from punishment. But we don't understand, and this I saw myself in the Zayah. The Zayah says in Bereshis, when Hashem created the world, He created it with something we call nature. But actually, what is nature? Nature is consequence. He created it with certain consequences. If you, a human being puts their finger in a fire, the consequence is that the human being's skin will burn. Now, you want a miracle? A miracle? What is the translation of a miracle? Changing the consequence. The consequence is the nature order. Yes, Hashem created the world with a certain nature and order. You go into the ocean, go underneath the water, you will die. You will drown. What do you mean? I believe in you, Hashem. Why am I drowning? And the answer is, you want a miracle? For a miracle, the consequence has to be different. The consequence has to be that you go into the water and you grow gills like a fish, and then you can breathe on the water. So the consequence is going to change. But Hashem's not just going to change the consequence. Unless it's a nace. For instance, Kriyas Yamsuf. Because Yamsuf Nachshon should have died. But Akash Baruch Hu 
change the easier of the two. For him, it's not a difference. He could have given all the Jews gills. And we could have gone through the ocean underneath the water. So Kosh changed the consequence of the water, the nature of the water, not the nature of the person. He didn't change us. He changed the nature of the water. And when he went to change the nature of the water, if you look at the Medrash, the water said, no, you created me with consequence. And an ocean doesn't split. So the consequence of being an ocean is I don't split. And you created me that way, Hashem. So Teva said, no, chutzpah. You're telling Hashem, no? The answer is no. He told Hashem, yes, you created me this way. What do you want from me? So the world, believe it or not, Hashem created with a physical consequence. You take a glass, a crystal glass, and you drop it on the floor, it will break. Girls and boys that are angry at Hashem, is the floor angry at the glass? No. The consequence of dropping a glass on a floor is going to break. Does the floor have a relationship with the glass? No. It's the consequence. The floor doesn't hate the glass. So the Zayar says that Hashem did exactly the same thing when he created the spiritual world. The spiritual world and the physical world were created as mirrors of each other. So just like if you drop a glass, it's going to break, even though the floor is not angry at the glass. When you do an Aveira, there is a consequence. Anyone in this room will ever learn the basics in physics? The basics in physics, physics is the study of the world, right? Kinetic energy, potential energy. All the things that we learn in physics is, is the creation of the world. And the, it's hard to understand that the biggest atheists are the biggest, are the biggest physicists. But the first thing you learn in physics, the first thing in eighth grade, everything, right, everything in this world, you take, you know, in eighth grade, they took that, those six marbles, and you drop a marble from one side, and it pops out. Every action, the first thing we learn, every action has a reaction. What does that mean? If you break it down, every action has a consequence. That's the the basics in physics of every action has a consequence. So in the physical world, every action has a consequence. In the spiritual world, every action has a consequence. You are Mechalel Shabbos, the consequence of your Chilol Shabbos to be able to fix what the consequence is, Skila. And the minute you get Skila, you're forgiven. It's fixed. So every Aveira in the Torah, like a physics book, Hashem wrote a physics book for the soul and told us that every action in this book, on the other side, Ganeiden, all the rewards, there's a good consequence and there's a negative consequence. There are both consequences in the world. Therefore, he said to me, you need to explain to them that if it's a punishment that he sits there, oh, put this guy in Gehenna and burn him and burn him, 100%. But if you're going to a, if you're going to a, a wedding, and you're drinking Hawaiian punch, and it ends up all over your shirt, and all over your suit, and all over your tie. You cannot go to the wedding, right? That's, that's what happened. What do you do? You find a cleaners that does one-hour cleaning, and you run in there, and you give your suit and your shirt, and you're tied to the cleaners, and he cleans it, and you go to the wedding. Are you punishing your shirt? Are you punishing your suit or your tie? No! You're cleaning it. You bring it to the dry cleaners. 
She says, it's the same thing. Hashem created his world in a spiritual way. And when you come to the next world, for you to be at the wedding, because that's the way his world is created up there, for you to be at the wedding, you can't sit there. The malachim are not going to let you go. You can't sit there, luchlach. You can't sit there, filthy. So Hashem created processes to clean you up. But, and I told this to some girls that came to my office that are off the derech to complain, and they complained about something else, which I'll tell you in a minute. And I said, but Hashem created something before the world was created. Yes, when he created the world, it had physical and spiritual consequence. But he created something that he had to create before the world was created. And what was that? Teshuva. Teshuva gives you the ability to wipe away the consequence. It's a crazy thing. In a world of consequence, if you do something, if you drop the glass, it hits the floor and it breaks into pieces. There's nothing you can do about it. In the world, spirituality world, we know what HaKadosh Baruch Hu did? You drop the glass, it broke into a hundred pieces, and then it came back together, and it came back into your hand. That's teshuva. You can't, you can't have that in our world. In the real world that he created, it had to be created before. Because in our world, there's a consequence. You drop the glass, it's broken. But in the world of teshuva, which he created, everyone knows, the Zohar says he created it before the world was created. You drop the glass, it's smashed. You did teshuva, all the pieces come together, they come back into your hand. So the time in Shemayim is, why didn't you do teshuva? You can change in a world of consequence. Each one of us has the power to change the consequence. And that is a matana. So I said to these girls, Hashem hates you. Hashem wants to hurt you. Hashem wants to burn you. He went ahead and created something before time, before the world of consequence, that gives you the ability to change in a world of consequence where things can't change. You cut someone's arm off. His arm is off. His arm is off. You burn a house down, the house is burnt. The consequence of lighting a fire in a house is going to burn down. You can't change it after it burnt down. But in the world of spirituality, he gave us a matana that you have the power to change the consequence. It's crazy. And that had to be created before the world because in the world, there's no such thing. And the Malachim were very angry about tshuva. You did something, paid. It's broken. The glass is broken. So clean it up. I don't got to clean it up. Now, if you do tshuva miyira, you change the consequence that the glass never fell. That's already a big consequence. You dropped the glass, it didn't fall, it didn't happen. It goes back, tshuva wipes it out, it didn't happen. That's miyira. You do tshuva miyava, you brought back the glass. It, it's such an amazing, and this is what Gamaliel is talking to me about. This is such an amazing thought. This is the God that hates you. He's giving you a power that doesn't exist in the world that he created. It doesn't exist in the physical world that he created and the spiritual world that he created. It doesn't exist. You can't do it. If you burnt down the house, the house is burnt. You can't erase that the house is burnt and come back to a regular house. That's the Indian of Tshuva. And Hashem says, you can change the consequence. I'm not punishing you. Adyoy Moisai. Ain't dava. Nothing stands in front of a tshuva. Every guy in this room, no matter what you did, no matter what consequence you created, you have the power to redo the whole thing. So 
So that's not a God that's vengeful. A God that's vengeful is you did something wrong, patch! Not you did something wrong, you can correct it and make it something right. I remember as a kid here in Munchie, I bought a box of Cracker Jacks. In those days, we thought Cracker Jacks wasn't kosher. Today, Cracker Jacks is kosher. But in those days, we thought they weren't kosher. But it had a prize on the bottom. And, the, and it had caramel popcorn. Hello? So I remember one day I went into a store, whatever store it was, and never I fell. And I looked around, nobody was there, and I ate a box of Cracker Jacks. Baruch Hashem, now I found out that it's kosher now, so maybe it was kosher then, but Lemaisa in my machshava, the machshava was that it wasn't kosher then. And it's a very weird thing, because a few years ago, I was standing in the Eitz Chaim in Eretz Yisrael in Yerushalayim, and I got plenty of things to do tshuva on, and this box of Cracker Jacks came into my head. I'm standing on Yom Kippur, and this, but it's, it's in my head. Like I'm like, I got to do tshuva. Listen, I, I, I forgot about it for 50, 40 years. And I said, you know what, Hashem, I'm really sorry. I, I didn't know. I, I, I knew it wasn't kosher, but I didn't know who you were. So I wasn't an accident to Cracker Jacks. The accident, the shaggy was I didn't know who you were. I had no idea who you were. I wasn't connected to you. And the Cracker Jacks had a prize, and it looked good. So I'm really sorry. And it definitely wasn't something that I would have done. Had I known who you were, and I, and I asked Mechila, I'm standing in Kippur, asking Mechila for a box of Cracker Jacks that I ate when I was a kid. So what happened? Because I did tshuva, and with tshuva me'ava. wasn't because I was scared I'm going to go again, because Hashem, I love you, and I love you now. I didn't love you then. I didn't even know who you were then. To me, then, God was a hockey player, not you. So, and a baseball player. So it definitely wasn't you. So I, I, it was me'ava. I was like, I love you, and I was stupid, and I'm sorry. I was stupid. I was a kid. I, please, please forgive me. After 120 years, the Sultan plays your movie. It's going to come to that day. And the Sultan has, he's the one that he whispers in your ear to do the Avera, right? They ask a question. How come right after you do an Avera, you feel bad? But then it takes two seconds, then you don't feel bad anymore. It's like, oh my gosh, I cannot believe I did it. Okay. Right? So, so why for those two seconds do you feel bad? No, you're a Because when a person does an Avera... The Satan who got you to do the very was whispering in your ear, you're a good friend, like, come on, I'm your buddy, right? He goes right away, the minute you do the Avera, he runs and he says, Adis in Shemayim, right? He says, Adis, that you did the Avera. When he runs to say, Adis, that you did the Avera, all you're left with is your Yetzirtayv. Yetzirtayv runs to, to, to rat on you. So for those two seconds that you're only left with your Yetzirtayv, you talk to feel bad. Because with Yetzirtayv, you feel bad. Then he comes running back and he's like, he's back in business. So the Yetzirah, after 120 years, Wallace is going to be on the, up there on the screen, and they're going to show me walking into the store, and the Sutton's going to go like, Oh, remember Cracker Jacks? Oh, baby, he's going to burn for that. <laughs> oh, yeah. Right? And Wallace walks to the store, and he's looking around, and the Yetzirah's like, What's going on over here? He takes a Reisman cake, and he makes a better man, Zainos, and Alamichia, and Sutton's like, uh, Who was playing with the tape? This is not what happened. I was there. He ate Cracker Jacks. Where's the Cracker Jacks? And the, the defending mouse like, what Cracker Jacks? <laughs> I don't see no Cracker Jacks. I see a Reisman cake. And the boy made a bracha and an alamichia. What are you talking about? And the Sutton's like on fire. What are you talking about? I was with him. We planned it for a week. He looked. He didn't buy. I brought it back. He thought maybe. I brought it back. He finally did it. What's with the Reisman's cake? In those days, there were no rice mistakes. <laughs> I don't know. That's the film. Because when you do tshuva me'ava, the very becomes a mitzvah. This is a God that hates you? Are you crazy? I told the God, this is a God that hates you? He just took my cracker jacks 
and he turned them into Weizmann cakes. He says, just do tshuva, that's all. Hashem said, just do tshuva. Change the consequence. You have that koyach. Okay. Then, these two girls, this was a, they set me up with these two kids who were mamish angry, they're rebelling, whatever, do they have reason, whatever it is. Anyways, and then they said to me, Rabbi Wallstein, you know, there's one thing about Yiddishkeit, that another thing that we really don't like. I'm like, okay, what's that? To Hashem, it's more important that you're religious and that you wear a long skirt than who you really are. He said, explain. They said, you know, like, my mother threw me out of the house because now I wear short skirts. And she said, if you wear a short skirt, you can't live here. So said, Wallstein, the religion means more to her than me. Well, Haraya, she threw me out of the house because of the religion. So this whole Jewish religion, all our parents and the whole community, to them, it's much more important that you wear a long skirt and that you do the right thing than that you're their child or that you're a Jew. They don't care about that. The minute my skirt would get longer again, my mother would treat me differently. The minute my skirt gets short, she throws me out of the house. You see, it's not about us. It's about the religion. I said, really? I said, I guess we, this is, we're having this discussion because you're an Amaretz. Because you never learned. And she's like, excuse me, what do you mean? I went to, I went to Beis Yaakov. I'm like, well, it seems to me that you didn't. She goes, what are you talking about? I'm like, this is the only religion that God says, you are more important than me. And in fact, my whole Torah, my mitzvah, my whole Judaism doesn't mean anything when it comes to you. So what are you talking about? I'm like, Bikuach nefesh, if a person is dying and you have to give them chazer, give them chazer. You have to be mechal Shabbos. I said, how many atzala ambulances and cars you see every Shabbos going by? Mechal el Shabbos, they're driving. You want to say it's a chilo with a heto, or it's not a chilo altogether. I'm not getting lumdish with them. But the bottom line is they're driving, there's ambulances. I said, HaKadosh Baruch Hu says that when it comes to life, I step aside. Except for three. The three cardinal averis. And even that, according to the Shulchan Aruch, if someone comes to you and puts a gun to you and says, serve Avay Dezara, you're supposed to give up your life. Well, let's say you don't. You're looking at this gun and you're just like, I can't. And you bow down to the Avay Dezara. You know what the halacha is? The halacha is your putter. Because it's an oinus. If someone says, commit adultery or I'll kill you, and you can't, and you commit adultery, the Shulchan Aruch says, you're putter. Even though you're supposed to be my senefesh on it, but if, you, and you, if you're not, if you're not, we can't hold you high because you're ma'anes. They had a gun to your head. Look it up. So there's nothing in Judaism, God says, there's nothing in my religion that's more important than your life. I have sent many girls who needed to go to rehabs and other places that are run by Goyim. They're all run by Goyim. There's no such place. The reason that we're, we're trying to open this place in Mitzvah Hashem in July in the mountains is because there is no place for girls that is Jewish. It's all run mostly by the Mormons, who are the biggest missionaries in the world. 
So we, us Jews, our community, with all our billions and millions of trillions of dollars that we have in real estate and whatever else we have, right? We're going to answer to Baruch that our daughters, we are sending to the Mormons. We collect money to go anti-missionaries. Wallerstein is sending girls to the Mormons because they do the best therapy in the world. And there is no Jewish place. And never stolen a girls and all kinds of chesidish girls that have to go there, that end up having to go there, right? They're sitting and they're eating bacon and eggs for breakfast. And their therapists are Mormons from the Mormon church. And we're all sitting in our houses. So I went to the stolen Rebbe. And I went to the Rebbe's. And I went to the Gedolim. And I said, I have a Shiloh. What's better? A Jewish kid that's on drugs and drinks every day but keeps Shabbos and eats kosher. Or a kid that we send into these rehabs and they come out clean, sober, but goyim. Maybe it's just better to let them be drug addicts and drunk and they'll go to Shemayim and what's the punishment for drinking and being a drug addict? The Chai Behem? Maybe. But you know what? Better than becoming Mormons and eating chazer and marrying Goyim. So maybe I shouldn't send them. There's not one Paisik or one Rebbe that said to me, you're right. They said, the halacha is, that's not, your, that's not your deal. You don't have to worry about this spirituality. A halacha is by us. If this person tried to kill themselves... And you can send them to a place where they're going to heal, you have to send them there. Not one Rebbe, not one Gadol said, hmm, I don't know. No, there's nothing to it. They said, open up a firm place for them. But until you have that firm place, and the kids just try to commit suicide, and you have to send them to the Mormons, send them to the Mormons. So I said to these girls, what? Where? What other religion? Islam, they'd rather cut your head off than send them to a, a Jewish rehab. You die in the name of God. Going to a Jewish rehab, you crazy? And where? Sending is 25 Jewish kids out of the 90 beds in Utah. 25 Jewish, 11 from. Why? Because at the end of the day, that they're alive is more important than our religion. And that's the law. That's the law that HaKadosh Baruch gave us. That's the halakha that we have. It's up the Mishnah. A house collapses on Shabbos. You're not sure if there's a person in the house. Suffolk. You're not sure if the person in the house is Jewish. Sveik Sveikah. You're not sure if the person is in the house and he's Jewish and he's alive. Maybe he's dead. Sveik, sveik, sveika. You allowed to be Mechal Shabbos? Absolutely. Bring your tractors and take the house down. Maybe in a sveik, sveik, sveika, there's a Jew in there that you could save. So I looked at these girls and I'm like, what are you talking about? Our religion is more important than you? I will be Mechal Shabbos to save you. You're an atheist. You don't even believe he exists. You're a Jewish girl. I will be Mechal a whole Shabbos, 50 Shabbos of the rest of my life, if that's what I have to do to save you. So what are you talking about? Where's this concept? We have these concepts that, oh, Hashem, it's more important to you, my, your religion, than who I am. No, Hashem says, I step aside as God, and when it comes to your life, Zechariah Wallerstein, anyone, doesn't matter, any Jew, any person, it comes, then comes to... I step aside. You can do every avera, all, all averas in the Torah to save that person. Where'd you get this from, girls? This is street talk. Now that your mother threw you out of the house, that's a different discussion. 
but God didn't throw you out of his house. There's a machti, you're affecting other kids, there's certain decisions that they have to make. Hey, the same way, if you had some kind of disease, and it's catchy, and you don't want to go to the doctor, and you don't want to take antibiotics, and the rest of the kids are going to, ca- are going to catch it, and Chas Shalom is going to kill them, so yeah, I might have to send you out of my house. So in the spiritual world, if you're doing something that's affecting my other children, so I have to look at the physical, I have, to, I have to do my best to keep you at home, but if you don't want to take care of yourself, and you don't want to make any changes, sometimes I have to make, you have to make that decision. Not always. Not always. I don't throw, I don't, I'm, I'm against throwing kids out. I believe that you have to love your kids and keep that door open because the, the, any kid that's off the derech, there's always a time, any person, that you, that you have a change of mind for a second. We call it the green light. And you turn around and you're like, you know what, I just want to go home. It's enough. I'm burnt out. I'm, I partied out. I want to go home. If the door's open, they're coming through that door for a big hug. If the door's locked and they were thrown out of their house, they look at the door, they're like, I want to come home, but I have to knock and I have to beg. No, I'm out of here. And they turn around and they walk away, and we lost them. The door has to always be open. You always, your children always have to know that you love them. You may not love what they're doing. My father didn't always love what I was doing, but he always loved me, and I knew that he always loved me. And that's the most important thing. All right, I'm doing something you don't like right now. I'm going through my stuff, but I need to know that you love me. No parent, Hashem never throws us out. Hashem says, I wait till this last second of your life. I love you so much. Just say you're sorry. Just do tshuva. I will turn your cracker jacks into a bracha and an alamichi or maybe even a whole suuda with a minion. I'll do that for you. I'm waiting for you. I love you. Do I love what you're doing? No. You're hurting yourself. By the way, it's another thing my Rebbe said. He says, you don't understand. So the Kosh gives you a neshama. He's not vengeful and angry. It hurts him when you do an Avera. Because you're hurting him. We don't understand this. It's like a brain cell. Part of a whole brain. We are part of God's neshama. So when, 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 when we're part of him and we hurt ourselves, it hurts him. There's a crazy connection between each one of us and our Kodesh Baruch and I, I tried to explain this to these girls. This, this whole thing of an angry God. He's not angry. You're not angry at your shirt because you cleaned it. Just the opposite. But then I threw my Rebbe a curveball. So Rebbe, I have to tell you something. Your muscle is not so good. He said, what do you mean? I have to tell you the truth. If I have a wedding, I'm in the middle of a wedding, right? And this guy walks in and he defecated all over himself. And he smells and he stinks and he's poor. And, it's, and all the waiters are like, and everyone's on the other side of the room. I said, I would go over myself. And even though he stinks, right? And I would sit him down and I would give him to eat. Because he's a poor man. And, man, you know, it's a test. So I said, Rebbe, not always do you take the guy and wash him up and clean him up. So, so maybe Hashem could, like, let you sit there with all your virus. If he really loves you, so I said to him, like, like I love this honey who walked into my party and he stinks, right? But I love him so much that even though no one else wants to go to him, I'm willing to go to him and give him to eat. So maybe Hashem should let you come up there all stinky and sit in front of him. That's what I asked him. He looked at me and he said, you got, you got the whole muscle wrong. The muscle's not about a guy, a poor man coming to the party. Do you let him sit there? The muscle's about the chasan. On his way to the wedding, he was sick and he defecated all over himself. The actual chasan. Can he walk up to the chuppah and stand next to the kala? Are they going to let him do that? Or are they going to push the wedding off and say, there's a delay. The chasan doesn't feel well. Get him upstairs. Wash him down. Get a tuxedo. Whatever they have to do. Get him a new pair of shoes. Get him new underwear. Oh my gosh, it's the chasan. We can't let him. It's his wedding. 
You kidding me? He says, Zechariah, it's not a guest. It's you. It's you that's coming to Shemayim. You're the chasson. Because Baruch the kala. The malachim are not going to let the chasson stand in front of the kala like that. So they're going to clean you up. He says, and he always ends his speeches, he said, that for every Averi you do, that you get a minute in Gehenim, you get 500 minutes in Ganeiden. For every mitzvah that you do. He said it's 500 to 1. He says there's a, it's brought down in Kabbalah that there's a window that from Gehenim that can, they can see Ganeiden. And the reason that people can make it through Gehenim is because the first comes Gehenim is, the, is their punishment. But every mitzvah that they did, so every minute they're in Gehenim, they see across the room, yeah, but don't worry, when, you, when you're clean and you come to the wedding, oh my gosh, you're going to sit in the best place in the wedding. Oh, we're going to give you the best food that there is because it's 500 to 1. Because Baruch is a gaimel ches. He's like, get rid of your stuff. And then there's all kinds of things that bring down that even a person who goes to Gehenim, if he learned Torah, it protects him from the fire. So he has to sit there, but he doesn't feel the fire. If he had a brismila, Avraham Avinu takes him out. Eh, there's a lot of deals Hashem has. He's our father. He's got, all, he's got this punishment chamber, but he's got a million things to, to free you. To make sure that you don't go through it, that you talk to go through, you know. You know, there's dry cleaners and they have to go through that tumble and the heat and everything. And then they have cold cleaners where they clean it and, you, and, and, and the clothing doesn't have to go through anything, anything hot. You know, so there's even rachamim and how to clean things. There's rachamim. I mean, never a suit. You think about it, it gets pressed and it goes tumbles and all that. So you're that suit, but it comes out shiny and clean and then it's worn to the best places. But if it's a filthy suit, what happens to it? It goes into a laundry bag, and it sits there forever. And then it gets moldy, and then they throw it into the Salvation Army, and who knows where that goes, right? So the suit itself, because you clean it, now the suit is proud, so to say. The suit goes to the wedding, and you're wearing it proud, and the suit's being used. It's the same thing with the neshama. You're going to leave the neshama dirty and filthy? It's going to go nowhere. It's not going to be able to go into, into yeshiva shamayla. It's not going to be able to go to have the ziv hashchina. So, nothing, so, so you would be a very mean person, a mean God, if you left it like that. If you left it soiled in, in, in a laundry bag to do nothing for anymore. Just the opposite. You come out and you stand by the ziv hashchina and yet talking is a payment. So Hashem says, don't go through Gehenna. Do tshuva. You'll kip a machaper. Misha machaper. Tshuva machaper. Hashem comes with all these things. You die, forgiven. Yom Kippur, even according to the Rambam, even if you ate on Yom Kippur, Yom Kippur, Yom Kippur, the day, the day Yom Kippur is Mechaper. Got all these different, all these different ways to help us. He's not an angry and he's not mean. He's definitely not an angry and mean God. So while we're on the subject, just very, very fast. So I was talking to them about Imun and Bitochan. We started, started getting into this discussion about Imun and Bitochan. What's the difference? What's the difference between Amun and Bitochan? There's a lot of books on this. I believe, Amun is I believe, Bitochan is I believe. What's the difference? I heard Nairi Digga, Mama, straight to the point. What's the difference? So this is Bitochan. I have a friend. He's in the circus. He walks the tight wire. He does it on a unicycle. He does it on one foot. He hops. He's amazing. And they come to him and they say, we're willing for a PR stunt to pay you a million dollars to walk a tightrope in the Grand Canyon. Across the Grand Canyon. There's no net, 25, 35,000 feet full. And he turns to me and goes like, Zachariah, what do you think? A million dollars? What's the difference what I'm walking over? I walk on the tight wire. I don't care. If there's a million feet underneath me, I'm, I don't fall. I never fell. I can do it on one foot. Here I can do it on two feet. I think I should take it. A million dollars. I'm like, hey, Chaim, I trust you, man. I've watched you. You're the best tight. You're not going to fall. Go for it, a million dollars, go for it. 
He's like, okay, you really believe I can do it? You're going to come with me? I'm like, yeah, I'm going to come with you. I'll watch you. No problem. We get to the thing. It's, there's, there's reporters and pictures and everything. And he's standing there, and he looks down. Oh, boy. If you fall, forget about it. Right? It's, it's worse than Azazel. You're not going <laughs> to make it through half the mountain. Believe me. He looks down and he goes, Zach, are you sure I can do this? I'm like, I am one. Stop. A million, a million dollars? Do what you can do with your eyes closed. He goes, you sure? I'm like, yeah. He says, 100 percent. I'm like, oh, a million percent. He goes, you really believe in me? I'm like, yes. He goes, okay. I'm getting on that wire. You get on my shoulders. <laughs> I'm like, okay. I'll give you half the half. We'll do a million. I'll give you half a million, Zachariah. I'll give you half the million. You're not worried about me falling. You're so short. Get on my shoulders. I'll split it with you. I'm like, I don't think so. <laughs> That's bitachon, that's emunah. Bitachon is, I believe you can make it across. Emunah is if I get on your shoulders. It's a whole different belief. And it's hard. It's a very hard belief. And, and I, speak, I spoke about this because people, you know, they read these books and everything, and they're like, I don't know, I don't really have emunah. You know, emunah, emuna, there's different levels of emunah. I, I had my kidney stones crushed a few years ago, so they have to put you out for that. And, and I'm laying on the gurney, and the guy's like, okay, we're going to put Demerol in the, in the intravenous. You're going to count to 10, Mr. Wallerstein, and you're going to be fast asleep. And you know, they lie. You count to four, you're gone. Forget about it. You never make it to 10. And I'm laying there, and I'm like, could I just say a prayer before you do this? And the guy's like, sure. And I'm like, what should I say? What should I say? I'm not dying, I hope. Right? <laughs> right? Should I, should I say vidui? Like, what should I say? And I thought to myself, I always say I don't alum a lot. I said, you know, I'm going to say I don't alum. Uveyado of kiruchi. When I'm, when I'm sleeping, in your hands is my ruach. Imam settled me down. I'm like, if I don't wake up, I don't wake up. I don't know if I'm going to wake up because it's anesthesia. And I don't know what's going to happen. I'm closing my eyes. My spirit's in your hands. Whatever Hashem, whatever you do with it, you do with it. Now, am I going to tell you that I had no fear whatsoever at that point? I'm going to tell you I had a lot less fear. It definitely calmed me down. But deep, deep, deep inside, I don't want to die. So deep, deep, deep inside, there was a little bit of me that was saying, like, maybe you should just get off the table before this guy gives you the Demerol. <laughs> right? And I didn't get off the table. So it's a level of Amuna. We all have Kiruchi, but we're all human beings. We have to stop trying not to be human beings because what happens is, it's like when you have Amuna, but you have this little feeling inside, ah, there's a 1% chance that maybe this is not going to work. Then you say, well, I don't have Amuna at all, so I'm done. No, there's different levels of Amuna. There's Amuna that I'm going to make it across the, you know, he's going to make it across the tightrope. Hashem's going to, you know, and there's Amuna getting on Hashem's shoulders. It's a very different, it's a very different level. So I want to, I want to tell you, Two things. I want to tell you a little bit in, in, in the, in the Hilchas Kivarevim, and I'm going to end with the story, Lili Nishmas, my father, which has to do with his Amuna. I think that everyone's going to walk out tonight with this story. Some of you might have heard it, but it was definitely a game changer for me and for anyone who ever heard the story, and it's I, MS. I'm a witness to it, to the story. Mamash, that, that happened. So it says the following. So Rabbi Gamliel writes in the Sefer, a person who disgraces his mother and father doesn't give it up the way he's supposed to. You should know that you are mezazel in Hakadosh Baruch Hu. Now he says something very interesting. He deals a lot with kids off the derech and Eretz Yisrael. He says, "He says I want to tell you, it's the boys when they start to go off the derech." 
the first thing they do when they go off the derech is the mezalzal the chvoit hareyam. They they become rebe- the rebellious against their parents. Umikan hari lemaver hatzara derech lishol tachdus karmoid. He says kimiate ein lehem kovedus oisem et kvar es oise siyate deshmai asahayim olav oisem arato. He says a person has siyate deshmai all the time. But when he starts to be mezalzal, he starts to go against his parents, that the siyat neshmai is taken away from them, and that's why they fall so fast. Kids, right, everyone's like, wow, in three days, my, my kid went from a shemesh Shabbos, good boy, and now he's with girls, and he's mechal Shabbos, and he's doing everything, he's eating treif, like, how did it happen so fast? I mean, I understand one thing at a time, but so fast? Remember Gamliel, who deals with this, says, you know why it happened so fast? Because the first thing they did was, the kibbutz of Aim went out, they started answering their parents back, they started being fresh, all the siyat d'shmaya leaves them, and once all the siyat d'shmaya leaves them, they fall. Okay, this is what he says. This is what I want to tell you a story about. He says the following. He says, many times, people come, right? They they come to him all day long. They open up their hearts. And they open up their hearts that their kids are off the derech and they're having such a hard time with gidel banim. What should they fix? He says, I need ruggaliyayats. I give them advice. She asked for cheshman anefesh. The parents should make a cheshman anefesh. Hey, chesnagu be'inyin kvot harayim. How did you treat your parents? Ulai lepa'amim, afilu ba'aydim k'tanim, pagaybay. Maybe when you were a child, you caused them aggravation. And therefore, spiritual DNA, which you caused to your parents comes back to you. Now, that doesn't mean that every kid that's off the derech, his parents weren't good to their parents. There are many different reasons that children go off the derech. But a person who's not good to your parents, you create the spiritual DNA that can come out in your children and your grandchildren that they will become rebellious because you were. Okay. So, that's a nice piece of Musser, but I'm going to tell you two true stories that I was involved in. I spoke in Teaneck about eight years ago in a place called Beth Aaron. And I got up, and I told him a story of someone that I knew very well. And this person that I knew very well, they had a child, they had a son, normal guy, went to yeshiva, he's 14 years old, everything's normal, everything's normal. All of a sudden, one night, he comes into his parents' bedroom, he walks over to his mother's bed, and he pulls the blanket off, in the middle of sleeping. And then he pulls his father's blanket off. I'm like, what's going on over here? They put it back on, he pulls it back off. They put it back on, he pulls it back off. Like, like he has a dibuk, right? And uh, this, this went on every night. And they decide they're going to lock the door. He breaks the door down. Mamush breaks the door down like a meshuggah. He became a total meshuggah. Not only that, that one day when his father was trying to stop him from coming into the bedroom, he actually punched his father in the face and caused him to bleed. He punched him, which is Misa, but he was a shite at that time, right? So this person that I knew very well came to me and said, Zechariah, did you ever see this before? This is a normal kid. He just flipped. They took him to a doctor. One said Asperger's. One said he's, got, he's bipolar. And they started giving him medicine, and nothing worked. And the doctor said, like, they just, it's just not normal. It's like a dip, almost like a dibuk. But it wasn't a dibuk, right? So I said to my friend, listen. Doctors are not working. Medicine's not working. Hospitalization's not working. Let's go to Israel. Let's go to all the Gedolim. Let's go to all the Mukubalim. It seems to be, it's not a physical thing. It's not even a mental thing. It's a spiritual thing. I go with him, with, my, with this person that I know, and his son. 
to Rav Gamliel Rabinovich, my Rebbe. This is way back. And we come into the room, and I want him to look at the boy, look at his eyes. Maybe it's a tibuk, right? I don't know what it is. Look at his name. He looks at the boy. He talks to the boy for five minutes. He tells him to go out of the room. The boy leaves the room. I'm there with this guy that I know, and Rabbi Gamliel, and I'm, and I'm like, should I leave? And the guy, my friend, says, no, you're not leaving me here alone. <laughs> you're not leaving me here alone? I'm like, okay. Rabbi Gamliel looks at him. says, you're surprised at your son's behavior? He says, yes, I'm very surprised at my son's behavior. He said, why do you think it would be any different? Did you ever hit your father? I'm standing in the room, I'm like, okay, bye. I'm out of here. <laughs> this guy turns white. He says, when I was 17 years old, I was a big boy, and I got into something with my father, and he slapped me across the face. And without even thinking, I slammed him back across the face. Rabbi said, I can't help you. The Ruach Ra that's in your son, that Malach that's in your son that's causing him to do this, the Ruach Ra, didn't say Dibbuk, you created when you hit your father. And that Malach was waiting for you to have a child so that he could take revenge. I'm standing there, I'm like, whoa. I said, but Rabbi we have to do something. This kid, this can't continue. He said, you got to go to, your father's alive? No, my father's not alive. He said, you got to go to his grave. He gave him a tefillah that you ask. You ask Mechila from someone who's not here anymore. He said, you have to take your shoes off. I was standing there. You have to take your shoes off. You have to stand on the grave. You have to say the tefillah. You have to ask Mechila. Mitrerin, Mitrerin, Mitrerin. My, this guy did it. He went to the grave, and Itaka was crying, and he, asked, he said the tefillah, and whatever it was, and it took maybe a month. This kid is normal today like any other kid that you would know. I said, wow, that's very cool. <laughs> so now I'm in Teaneck, and I'm giving a speech. And these, I told the story. And this man comes over to me, and he says, you know, what you said about that boy... Is happening happening in my family. I said, what's going on? He says, I have a son. He's very normal. He's 15 years old. He's in yeshiva. He's a modern yeshiva. He's learning. Everything's great. All of a sudden, he comes home one night. He starts cursing my wife with language that I didn't even know he knew. He said, it was like a different voice. I'm like, don't start with the book. I'm not signing with the book. Right? He said, no, it's not. He's not. He said, and to me, he's the sweetest kid in the world. And in school... He's the sweetest kid in the world. He sees his mother. He curses her. He spits at her. I said, was that the relationship that he had with her his whole life? No. I said, did she do something traumatic to him? No. I'm like, okay. I'll go to your house. Let me, let me, let me meet your wife. So I go to the house. I sit down. True story. First I said to the husband, no. Tell me about uh, your kibbutz of aim with your parents. He says, my parents were Holocaust survivors. I did not have... Bad kibbutz of aim. I had no kibbutz of aim. I had no relationship with them. It was an unemotional relationship. I said, did you ever curse them, hit them? Anything? No. So okay. So it's not you. Thinking to myself, if he's spitting at his mother and cursing his mother, it has to be something to do with his mother. So I said to her, tell me about your relationship with your parents. And she like turns white. I'm like, you don't have to tell me if you don't want to. She says, no, I want to tell you. She says, I'm Sephardic. I'm, I'm Moroccan. And my husband... He's Ashkenazic. And I met my husband in Israel, and I wanted to get married. And my father and mother said, if you marry an Ashkenazi, we're going to disown you, the whole family. Not just us, but your sisters and brothers, you're finished. 
you can't marry outside of, of, the, of the Moroccan community. And she said, I didn't listen. I went to New Jersey. I, went, I moved with, I married my husband. They cut me off totally. No sisters allowed to talk to me. No brothers, nothing. My parents, they wouldn't come to anything that we made, any parties, nothing. They mamish courage. They cut me off. So then my father died. And I knew they were sitting Shiva in Eretz Yisrael. And my husband said, he thinks I should go. It's your father. And I didn't go. And not only that, I was so angry I didn't sit Shiva for him here. But nobody here knew him anyway. And then my mother died three years later. And I didn't go to that Leviah, and I didn't go to sit Shiva, and I didn't sit Shiva at home either. You think that might have something to do with it? I'm like, hmm, I think maybe. Let's go to Eretz Yisrael. I just went through a story like this. Let's go to Singedalim. Let's find out what to do. So I didn't go with them. They got on a plane the next day. Because this kid was off the wall. They got on a plane the next day. I said, listen, I know what you got to do. There's a tefillah. I know the tefillah. It's in, it's in, a, it's in a certain sefer. Manalushan. Go to the grave. Take your shoes off. Go to your father's grave, your mother's grave. They're both buried outside Yushalayim, somewhere, wherever it is. Say the prayer, ask Mechila, and on your way home, on the way to the airport, stop by, go to my Rebbe, get a bracha. Okay? They go. She told me she was crying for two hours. She asked them both Mechila, that she didn't sit Shiva, and that she didn't. And then they went to my Rebbe. And they go to Rabbi Gamliel, and they tell him what happened. They tell him what happened, get a bracha. And Rabbi Gamliel says, You wasted your time. You're not Michael. And this poor woman flipped out. And they called me, and they're like, well, obviously your rabbi said that this whole trip that we just spent all this money that we just did, he said it didn't work. I said, ask him why it didn't work. <laughs> so they didn't speak that good of it. So they gave me the phone. I said, Rebbe, we did this for the other guy it worked. Why wouldn't it work? He said, she was Mavayish her parents, Barabin. Because by not sitting Shiva, not going to Israel, everybody was talking, where's the other daughter? So she was Mavayish her parents, Barabin. The only way she'll get mechil is she takes a minion, says the tefillah in front of a minion, and, and, and takes her shoes off in front of a minion. But it was night. So I said, you got to change your, you got to change your flight. And they're like, what? I'm like, listen, otherwise you went for nothing. I'll arrange 10 yeshiva boys, which I did. I called, I called the yeshiva that I knew at Terra I called the Rosh Hashiva. I said, I need 10 boys tomorrow. Don't ask why. Don't ask what. They just got, they got to go to a cemetery and whatever it is. He trusts me. They went. He said that those 10 kids, when they came back, he said they will have the best kibbutz of aim of anyone that you ever hear for the rest of their life because they stood there and they watched a woman with her bare feet cry for hours and hours and hours. It didn't take, it didn't take eight weeks for this kid to be normal. It stopped. He stopped cursing his mother. It just stopped. Totally. I am saying Adis. I was involved in these two stories. You create a Ruach Ra. And the Ruach is going to come take, take revenge. It's going to do something. And even though your parents are like, oh, you don't have to ask me Mechila, you have to ask Mechila. And just the opposite, if you treat your parents correctly and you do what you're supposed to, then you're going to create a good, a good Malach, and that Malach is going to give you good children and good grandchildren that do have respect. Again, if a kid doesn't have respect, doesn't mean that you didn't have Kibbutz of aim. It is one of the aspects that could cause that, but you can't say every kid that every... I, it, Yitzchak Avinu had Kibbutz of aim, but he had an Aesop. And Moshe Rabbeinu, right? I'm sure I'd give it of aim. But after he had his two children, he gave his whole life to Israel. They were trying to tell people, stop beating yourself up for, for your children being off the derrick. Because it's, it's not the parents' fault. Sometimes it's the parents' fault. And sometimes it's the Rebbe's fault. And sometimes it's a friend's fault. And most of the time, 
It's the Yetzirah's fault. Nobody has that in their book. Everyone has all kinds of books about parenting and psychology. The Yetzirah is laughing. He's like, hey, I lost my job. It's like, all of a sudden, my job was given to the parents. The day of the Yetzirah or the Rebbe or everyone else. So it could be that also. There's many reasons, but if you do not respect your parents and chas v'shalom cause them that kind of pain, you are creating a ruach ra that the only revenge that it can get for what you did is to create it to happen to your children or your grandchildren. So we have to be very, very careful. And it's the first time Rabbi Gamliel wrote it in his book that when people come to him to complain about their kids, he says, check out how you were to your parents. And if you weren't good and you weren't well, then you have to do tshuva. Give it of aim for whatever reason. You read, I, I wanted to read it, I don't have time. You want to look at it? It's, it's Yeridea. There's such a thing, believe it or not. Yeridea, Hilchus Kivit of Aim. Reish Mem. Until my book comes out, you should learn it. You'd be shocked at, at some of the halachas that you don't even know. That we don't even know. Especially Ashkenaz. We never know that you're supposed to get up when your parents walk into the room. People don't know that. They think it's a Sephardic thing. Halach and Shulchan Aruch. If your parent walks in the room, part of Kivit is getting up and standing up. Oof. We didn't, I never learned that. I didn't stand up with my father. In the room, just the opposite. I went under the chair. <laughs> we stood up. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine the difference in your family? If your mother walks into the room and you stand up in front of your kids? Wow. Wow, Tati gets up for Bobby. You know, you know the difference in, 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 in the respect that they'll have for you? We don't know. There's a lot of halachas in there. We have no idea what they are. And sometimes, it's the opposite. That if your parents tell you you can't marry someone... There's three things you don't listen to your parents. There's no dinner of giving a name. Nobody can pull it on you. You want to marry somebody? Your parents say, no. And you're like, I want to marry her anyway. Give it of aim? You can't. Halacha is, there's no give it of aim. You want to marry someone? You don't have to listen to your parents. That's one. Two, of course, anything your parents tell you against halacha, you don't have to listen to them. Two, if your parents tell you, listen, we don't like this family because our family and their family don't get along, so we don't want you talking to their daughter. Number two, you don't have to listen to them. Number three, interesting. If you want to go learn somewhere, but it's very dangerous, but your Rebbe, the Rebbe that's there is much better than any other Rebbe that you could have. And your parents are like, you're going to go to Israel and we're not going to sleep at night because you want to learn better? Are you kidding me? You know that Vera that you're doing that we don't sleep at night? Shukhanov says it's not an Avera. If you come, if you can learn better there, you should go. Even if they're nervous, even if it's a dangerous place. So there's two sides in halachas that we don't know. The, people come to me like, my mother said I can't marry, I can't marry her. I'm like, why? Because they're pulling kibbut of on me. Like, there's no kibbut of when it comes to that. Maybe you have to listen and talk a little bit about it and not be fresh. You can't be fresh. You don't have to take abuse. Your parents are smacking you or, 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 or saying bad things to you. Get up and walk out. No, you can't do that. It's not kibbut of Oh, it's kibbut of aim. Kibbut of is is not to talk back fresh to them and not to argue with them and not even to agree with them. I just started learning with my girls. They're like, what? That's right. Your mother says it's beautiful outside. You can't say, that's right, ma. I agree. That's anti-kid. Why? Because that means your mother needs you to agree. That's not respect. They're like, what? I'm like, yeah, we got to learn these halachas. Reish mem. So I'm going to end with this story. Want to know what a moon is? I'll tell you what a moon is. This is Le'ili Nishmas Yitzchak ben Achav Shmuel. I call you my father. Who was a Balabas who lived in Munchi, down in Beis Yisrael. Balabas, not a Rebbe. So we, we sell plastic bags. The Wallstein family, we're in the bag business. Chain stores, department stores. So many years ago, there was a huge, huge department store chain called Petri's. Petri's had 
three and a half thousand women's stores. It was the bag customer that everyone dreamt. Millions and millions of dollar contract. The owner of this company was Milton Petrie. Milton Petrie, if you look it up, in those days, was the Jew. He was the richest Jew. He was pro-Israel, very powerful man in the government. He was Milton Petrie. My father wanted to get the business. Our bags that we were manufacturing was in Eretz My father would only do business with Eretz even though he'd get 50% cheaper in China. I said, Dad, come on, we can make so much more money. He's like, you give the business to the Jews, period. I'm not, I don't care about China. Some Chinese guys should make money. There's Jewish guys. They got to make Shabbos. They got to do things, right? So, so that we made we made everything in Eretz which was good because Petrie was very pro-Israel. He was a Zionist. So my father, through the Israeli government, got a meeting with this man to get a meeting with him. Was like, right? Got a meeting with him, and it was a early dinner meeting in a place called Luigi Siegel's. It was like the only kosher restaurant in Manhattan. So my father comes to like at three o'clock, whatever it is, to this early dinner. My father, my mother, my mother's my father's secretary, and Milton Petrie, the man, short guy, powerful man. They sit down and, and, and they start talking. Petrie keeps talking, 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 talking. My father's looking at his watch, and he realizes he's got to go to Menchemayev. Right around Luigi Siegel's, there was a shul. Now, Muncie in those days, Yudabi Mincha, 20 minutes later was Mayev. There was no 10 o'clock minion, 9 o'clock minion, 8 o'clock minion. Believe me, you can't believe it living here today. There was a minion at Shkia, based on Shwell Davin, Lord Mishnayas. 20 minutes later was Myriv. You missed that Myriv. There was no Satmer. Done. So he had to Davin Mincha and Myriv. That's a half an hour. How do you walk out of Milton Petrie for half an hour? But he doesn't miss. My father never missed Mincha Myriv. There were times that he went to the Midwest and he had a meeting and he realized that he could not fly back to New York. It would be dark. So he flew backwards. He flew to California to get the three hours so he could dive in Mincha and Meyer, and then he took the overnight flight. That's what he used to do. He did not miss Minion, no matter what. He did the craziest things, and he wouldn't go to a place where there's no Minion. That's it, finished. So Hashem doesn't want me there. I'm not going there. It's not for me. Okay. Or a place you have to take off your yarmulke. That was his rule. You have to take off your yarmulke, you don't belong there. Finished. Don't go. You'll get, you'll get business from somewhere else. Okay. So he's got a problem. So he tells my mother, keep him busy. And he sneaks out. He says, excuse me. Petrie Petri thinks he's going to, da- going to the bathroom. And he goes to Davin, 35 minutes. My mother's sitting there talking, talking, trying to talk, whatever. This car- My father comes back. Petrie was a very sharp guy. He sits down. He says, I'm, I'm sorry, excuse me. He says, no, I don't excuse you. Where were you for the last 35 minutes? He says to my father, where were you? Like, you didn't go to the bathroom for 35 minutes. My father says, I, 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 Mr. Petrie, I, I, I apologize but I had another appointment. He's like, excuse me? You walked out on, on, on a dinner appointment? You want my business? You went in the middle of my appointment to another appointment? My father says, listen, if you knew who the appointment was with, you'd understand. He goes, yeah, so tell me, who's the appointment with? He says, listen, you're the CEO of Petrie, and I respect you very much. He said, but I had an appointment with the CEO, a different one CEO. He goes, yeah, what company's bigger than me? He goes, I had an appointment with the CEO of the world. That's what he told him. He said, excuse me, the CEO of the world, what are you talking about? He said, listen, I'm an Orthodox Jew, and there are three times a day, in the morning for an hour, and in the early evening, and then in the nighttime, it's 15 minutes, that all Orthodox Jews, we have a set appointment. It's a set appointment. We can talk to them anytime we want, but there's a set appointment, and 
the sunset, he told them what time was sunset, and I have to be there before sunset and right after sunset. I apologize. But, you know, if you don't want to give me the business, I understand that. But I don't miss that appointment ever for anything. Petrie sits there. He says, you're unusual. <laughs> I want you to come to the office tomorrow and meet with my buyer. Okay? They finish whatever it is. He's got his limo. My father comes to Petrie's stores the next day. Milton Petrie calls him into his room, and he calls his assistant, the head of the company, who's also the buyer. Her name was Hilda. Tough, tough woman. And she comes in, and Petrie says, I'd like to introduce you to Mr. Wallerstein. He's our new bag vendor. She says, excuse me? Yeah, he's our new bag vendor, and we're going to give him a three-year contract, which was unheard of. Crazy amount of money. Unheard of. They, they never gave three years. So she says, Mr. Petrie, you, I'm sure that you want me to you know, price him out to make sure that we're getting the right price. So I'll, I'll go right now and I'll, I'll, I'll reach out to the other manufacturers. And Milton says, no, Hilda, you don't understand. He has the right prices. She goes, how do you know? He talks to the chairman of the board of the world. <laughs> she said, what? Yes, Mr. Wallstein, three times a day, he has an appointment. Do you? She tells Hilda, do you? He has an appointment. Do I? Three times a day, he talks to the chairman of the board of the world. You think he doesn't have the right prices? Who else out there are you going to get? What plastic company? Equitable, he's naming all the other ones. You think the guys in Equitable have that appointment? No, they don't have that appointment. You think those guys have it? Hilda, give the man the contract. Done. Hilda and my father became the best of friends. So you think that you're going to lose something? That's imuna. That's bitachon. My father, if he would have lost the contract, would not have blinked an eye. Hashem, if I lost the contract because I daven with Minion, then you're not God. If God tells me daven with Minion, and because I do what he tells me, I'm going to lose, then how could you be God? If I'm doing what you told me to do, you're not going to hurt me for it. So for sure, if I lost the contract, there's a reason. Maybe you're going to go back in two years and bust me out and finish me off. So I don't know why, but I know I got to have Mechel Myrid. He was never priced in all the years. They never looked at anyone else's prices. It was unheard of. Who, what company that size doesn't compete, compare your prices to save millions of dollars? They never looked at another price. Wallerstein talks to the chairman of the board of the world. If everyone in this room would feel that when they come to Davin, that you're talking to the chairman of the board of the world, would you talk by davening? Would you look at your phone? Would your head be somewhere else? You come to shul, you have three appointments every day, made up, set up appointments. But if you miss my tefillah, and you miss my kriyashma, you miss the appointment. You left a message at the desk. Yes, saying Shema after this man is like learning Torah. So what happened? The appointment to see the, 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 the chairman of the board was at 9 o'clock. You showed up at 9.15. He can't see you anymore. But you can leave a message on a piece of paper that you were there. Maybe he'll call you back. So yeah, you can say Kriyashma after this man and Shema Esrei, but it's not Tzilah and it's not Kriyashma. It's learning. It's a totally different thing. You missed the appointment. You showed up after the appointment. You talked during the appointment to someone else? Forget about it. You don't think the chairman of the board is going to throw you out? What are you doing here? 
My father understood Fila on that level. That's why he never talked by Davening, and that's why he never missed that appointment. Because Tefillah was to the chairman of the board of the world. Where do we have the chutzpah to even have that appointment? A bunch of human beings. Chutzpah to have an appointment? Three times a day, set time? And then right before you go to sleep, Amita, he like wants to hear from you all day. Who, me? You're the chairman of the board, not a Petri stores. You're not Hilda, you're God. And God says three times a day, it's me and you. And we show up late, and our heads in, we can't wait to get out of there. Oh, when you're doing your real estate flip for a couple of million dollars, you're running out on that meeting? You're sitting there. And then after the meeting, when you get the order, you're glowing. You're sitting there for a few minutes just hocking. Because you got it. I got it. It's mine. My father always used to say, no matter what the meeting's like, you can laugh all the way to the bank. You go to a meeting, they're giving you a hard time, just be quiet. Because in the end, when you go to the bank, you'll be happy. Hey, you're going to the bank of life. You're for life every day. Our tefillah has to be different. And whoever changes the tefillah and understands from this story is, is, a, is a, an Eli Nishmas for my father. That's who he was. That's why I'm standing in front of you today. I'm a schmeck of what he was. But that was who he was, and he was a balabas. Was it Muna? Was it Muna? Was no problem. I want me to get on your shoulders? Because Baruch, I'm on your shoulders. I'm ready to walk into fire for you. I'm ready to walk into anything for you. So my bracha to, hear, to everyone here is that we should taka, we should have kibbutz of aim and... My Rebbe says, He says that it, it, it gives you a longer life. It's not, you're not doing it for your parents. You're doing it for you. So he said, a person that has service with his kids and goes through a very hard time, it causes a lot of tension. It causes a lot of, a lot of stuff. And chas v'shalom, it can affect your physical body. But a person who has kibbutz for his parents, because he has that kibbutz he's protected from all these things. It's going to give you a longer life. It's for you. It's not for your parents. Being nice is not for your parents. yomecha. It's so that you live long. It's that you have a better life. So Taka, we should all have that bracha. And we should be see we should be Mashiach. Thank you. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by Torahanytime.com.